<laughs> you know, the, a better question might be, Tanya, and, and with all due respect, what is not propaganda that's happening in the school? Today? <laughs> there is no area of the school program today, true. anywhere in America or anywhere in Canada that is not propaganda. It's in the math. It's in the science. It's in the history. It's in the English. It is in it's even in the P.E. It is the physical education. It is in absolutely every nook and cranny of the school. It's in your library. It is every every single element of the public education system has been infected with this evil. Um, they're teaching our children a radically distorted version of history. And I mean, completely wrong. Nothing useful about church history to the extent that they teach anything about church history. It's, uh, you know, crusades all out of context. Christians are barbarians who are just running around slaughtering poor innocent Muslims. Absolute baloney. Uh, the founding of Canada, the founding of the United States is taught totally inaccurately, totally perverted. Uh, the science is completely fraudulent. Uh, you know, they're learning here in the United States to give you an example. I'm not as familiar with everything going on in Canada here in the United States. They came up with these new national standards. This is a new innovation in our history. They've got the common core, which covered English and math. Then they've got the next generation science standards. I call them the next generation pseudoscience standards in 12 years of so-called science education in these indoctrination centers. These children will never hear the term scientific method. We are so pleased that Alex Newman is joining us once again on the Empower Hour. Alex is a husband, father, educator, author, award-winning international journalist, and a sought-after speaker who desires to glorify God in everything he does. In 2019, Alex and a coalition of Christian leaders formed Public School Exit, America's foremost ministry working to rescue children from government education, also known as indoctrination. Alex is a powerful and motivating voice as he encourages men to be warriors and protectors of their families, their faith, and their freedom. Alex, welcome to the Empower Hour. We're so glad to have you back with us once again. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Heather and Alex. I'm, I'm just so excited to have you on the show tonight. This is so timely. Um, as you know, we as well in Canada are fighting a war just like you are in the United States and really around the world. Any uh, UN uh, individual country that has signed up as a member is being inflicted, uh, you know, with this blight on our nation and this attack against our children. And you, my friend, have been working extremely hard on the front line on multiple uh, issues. Uh, you many years ago, uh, touching on immigration, the rise of political Islam, I mean, some very interesting topics, uh, but you are really headlining down in the States, bringing awareness to what's happening to our children. And so I, I want to get right into the public school exit. I know you started it in 2019, but I would just uh, like our viewers to hear so much more about that. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. Again, it's an honor to be here. I appreciate so much the work that you guys are doing. It's uh, it's really, really uh, encouraging to us in America to know that our brothers and sisters in Canada are uh, fighting the good fight alongside of us, even if on the other side of the border. So thank you for all that you do. Um, Public School Exit was um, really a labor of love. It was a ministry born out of uh, a national speaking tour I did in 2019. Um, we had just sold our house overseas. We had been living in uh, Scandinavia at the time. Brought the family over, bought a, a trailer with the uh, the money we got from selling our house. I loaded up the kids in the truck, and we took off 
I did, um, I think 150 speaking events in 44, 45 states across the country and had the opportunity to connect with amazing people all over the country, pastors, leaders, lawyers, parents, moms and dads, educators, principals, you name it. And um, out of that, we decided, you know, we need some sort of institutional mechanism here. It's not enough to just, you know, you do that, I do this, and we'll go speak over here. We needed a a more formal structure. And so um, it is, uh, other than our paid staff in California, it's all volunteers. I'm the executive director. I'm a volunteer. Um, Our our president, Dran Reese, also a volunteer. Our chairman, uh, Lieutenant Colonel E. Ray Moore, also a volunteer. So uh, we're doing this because we love God and because the Bible speaks so clearly on education and discipleship. And unfortunately, uh, you know, without um, picking out any pastors in particular, there has been real silence from the pulpits. And I know that's not true just in the United States. I know that's true in Canada, true all over Europe. Why are pastors not telling their congregations what God says about education? So our mission is to get as many children out of the government's indoctrination system as quickly as possible. Uh, we're doing that by working with parents, by working with churches. Um, we're really a clearinghouse. So we're working with churches. Actually, we've, we've even got some uh, partners up in Canada who are working with us. Uh, we want to get churches to lead this effort. And that's going to look different in every church. We've got a, you know, a, practically a menu of options that we provide to churches when they call on us. It could be something really simple. Set up a scholarship fund, right? You're a small congregation. You don't have the means to maybe set up a Christian school. Or something. Just set up a scholarship program so that the poorest members of your congregation can afford to pull their children out of these godless Marxist indoctrination centers. Very simple. All the way up to, you know, let's set up a full-blown Christian school. Um, you know, the church buildings are empty typically five, six days a week. There's no reason in the world why God's children should not be receiving a godly education in those institutions. So we're working with partners um, in a lot of different ministries that will help you set up a Christian school. They will help you set up a, a Christian education program. They'll help you set up a homeschool co-op. Whatever it is, we will facilitate that. And uh, ultimately, the goal is is really the Great Commission. And, and that's often the cop-out for Pat. Well, we just preach the gospel. We're just about the Great Commission here. Well, the Great Commission says to make disciples of all nations, says to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and it says to teach them to obey. Let's start at the first part, make disciples. We've done uh, studies on this. I serve on the advisory board for the Nehemiah Institute. They've been doing worldview studies for going on 40 years now, looking at Christian schools, secular schools, churches, et cetera. And what they have found is that somewhere between 80 to 90% of our Christian children from good Christian homes who spend 12 years in these government indoctrination centers will leave the faith. They will leave the church. You're going to tell me you're going to go make disciples in Zimbabwe. You're going to go make disciples in Laos but you're going to lose 90% of the children in your congregation? No, 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 no. I don't buy it for one second, and neither should anybody with any common sense. Our first ministry is to our families and to our local church body. If we're not making disciples in our local church bodies and in our local families, there's no way we're going to effectively be making disciples in other countries. So we begin there. The premise is parents have an obligation to disciple their children and you know, maybe back in the 1960s, early 1960s, 1950s, you could say, well, you know, they say a prayer every once in a while in school. They read a Bible verse here and there. Or maybe you could argue that the schools were not overtly waging war on God and the Bible. Today, you can't even pretend to make that argument anymore. We all know it. And so this is, I think, one of the most important issues facing the church. You're not going to go make disciples of all nations when you're losing your own kids, when you're losing the children in your congregation. So we view this as absolutely urgent. Um, I use a, a number of metaphors, analogies to, to kind of illustrate the point. You know, the Titanic is going down. 
Uh, are we really going to try to reform, you know, polish the uh, the door handles, make the brass look real nice while the ship is in? No, we're going to build lifeboats so we can put the kids on and get them off of this sinking ship. That's the system we're on right now. It's going down. Don't let it take your kids with you. Um, or a burning building is another one that I, I've used frequently in my talks on this. Look, folks, the school building's on fire. And, and honestly, the, the metaphor really falls short because this is much worse than a fire. A fire will hurt your children physically, uh, but it won't destroy them mentally, morally, spiritually, academically, et cetera. It's just physical. That's bad enough. But what we're talking about here is destruction that is so much more horrifying than just physical damage. So the fire analogy is not quite good enough. But if you got the building on fire and your children are inside and your first thought is to go lobby your school board or to sign a petition or to you know lobby your provincial legislator. Um, you're not a parent, obviously. That, that's absolutely insane. If the school building's burning, you run inside and you rescue the children. Then you worry about the other things. You know, the other things are important. I don't want to downplay those. But if your children are in the burning building, the first thing you do is get them out. And that's the situation that the church finds itself in today in Canada, in the United States, all across Western Europe, in Australia, in New Zealand, you name it. Um, all across what used to be known as Christendom, uh, the government schools are overtly waging war on our faith, on our children, on our families, on our churches. And uh, we cannot sit by and tolerate that anymore. We must do something. And the only realistic option here is to get the children out. Amen. Sorry, I'm going to go, woo. <laughs> yeah, you know what, uh, Alex, you're 100% right on. And I know with Action for Canada, we've been reaching out to pastors and we have a number of superb pastors across the country. Some of them are even chapters for Action for Canada, and some of whom are opening up their spaces uh, to schools, who are encouraging the homeschooling, etc., and who are preaching the truth from their uh, pulpits. And uh, part of that is warning warning their congregation, you know, about what is going on, speaking the truth about what is going on in society. Uh, we're, we're called, you know, to protect those, uh, the most vulnerable in society, and those are our youth. We have a duty and an obligation to that. Uh, that is not a political issue. This is a moral issue. This is a moral fight that we're in for the hearts and minds of our kids. And and so that's definitely, I, I just want to encourage our viewers. We've um, written a letter the other day and uh, we are asking our viewers, because we know that this uh, video will eventually get tens of thousands of views, and if you are involved in a church and your pastor is unaware of Action for Canada, please plug them in to to a for c please let them know that uh, we want to work together with pastors uh, we were in a pastor webinar yesterday and i said there should be a thousand pastors on this call wherein they are learning from a for c we're providing them all of the tools and all of the training and all of the information they could literally have a meeting with all of the parents in their congregations and play one of my videos the work is done and therefore then the parents are educated the other thing they could do within the church is to uh, raise up godly people to for elected positions and if the if the school boards are going to continue then why wouldn't we take back the school boards and in the last election we got a number of action for canada's people 
uh, elected. Others were working on those campaigns as well. So there's a lot of uh, things that we can do to turn this around in the country. Uh, in my weekly update, I just showed you the success from the people that are courageous enough to get out here on the front lines with us. And uh, so, Alex, what we see now, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the school systems. Uh, I think that uh, a previous time you were on and you have done shows on this about what is it, what would you consider is the uh, propaganda within the schools that are a danger to our kids? <laughs> you know, the, a better question might be, Tanya, and, and with all due respect, what is not propaganda that's happening in the school? Say, <laughs> there is no area of the school program today, true. anywhere in America or anywhere in Canada, that is not propaganda. It's in the math, it's in the science, it's in the history, it's in the English, it is in, it's even in the PE, it is the physical education. It is in absolutely every nook and cranny of the school. It's in your library. It is. Every every single element of the public education system has been infected with this evil. Um, they're teaching our children a radically distorted version of history. And I mean, completely wrong. Nothing useful about church history to the extent that they teach anything about church history. It's, uh, you know, crusades all out of context. Christians are barbarians who are just running around slaughtering poor innocent Muslims. Absolute baloney. Uh, the founding of Canada, the founding of the United States is taught totally inaccurately, totally perverted. Uh, the science is completely fraudulent. Uh, you know, they're learning here in the United States. To give you an example, I'm not as familiar with everything going on in Canada. Here in the United States, they came up with these new national standards. This is a new innovation in our history. They've got the Common Core, which covered English and math. Then they've got the next generation science standards. I call them the next generation pseudoscience standards. In 12 years of so-called science education in these indoctrination centers, these children will never hear the term scientific method. The reason why is obvious. If the kids understood the scientific method, they would know that there's not infinite genders. They would know that the gas you exhale is not a dangerous, toxic pollution that needs to be taxed by the UN to make the temperature of the planet perfect. This stuff would run right off their backs because it makes no sense. So it's actually even more dangerous than just indoctrination and propaganda, Tanya. What is happening now is the scientific conditioning of these children. They are building on a hundred years of psychiatric and psychological research. Uh, you know, think Pavlov's dogs on steroids, right? Uh, and, and that's literally what's happening here. This isn't education. They're not teaching these kids how to think. They're not teaching them reason. They're not even teaching them facts or evidence or logic. What they are doing is they are conditioning emotional responses to given stimuli. Uh, and this is true across the board. They're giving them little devices. They're giving them iPads or tablets or whatever. And they say this openly. This is not my opinion. I've got all of the U.S. government's reports on this. They have the attitudes that they want to instill in these children. And again, the U.N. says this very openly as well. Agenda 21 makes overt reference in Chapter 36 to transforming the attitudes, values, beliefs, and behaviors of the children. So this is not me speculating. This is me reading their own documents and looking at what they're doing in the classroom. They choose the values that they want the children to have. Let's just say open borders. Right? And so they, they start pumping the propaganda at the kids, and then they have feedback mechanisms. And this is happening all over the world now, uh, not just in the United States, not just in China, where they're processing the emotional responses that these children have, whether that be through facial expression recognition, whether that be through biosensors, whether that just be through the responses that they plug into the computer system, and they determine the attitudes that these children have. If the attitudes are incorrect, they go back to the behavioral conditioning and training that B.F. Skinner employed 50 years ago, the conditioning where 
the desired response to a stimulus gets you a reward. If you're on a tablet, it might be a little smiley face and some happy penguins and some little music and little confetti. And the kid gets a little dopamine. Oh, that was good. I like that. That was good. I should have that attitude. If they have the wrong attitude, like, well, you know, maybe we should be a country and have a border and and not say that the entire world can come here and just respect the fact that we are a sovereign nation. Oh, boom, boom, boom. You get the sad music and the sad phase. The kids realize very quickly, oh, that was not the correct response that I should have had. So what we're dealing with here is actually conditioning. It's infinitely more insidious than just indoctrination or brainwashing. And uh, some of these people, they brag that they can undo everything parents tried to instill in their children over a 15-year period. They can undo it in one hour. So they use very, very advanced methods to discredit pastors, discredit parents, discredit the family, discredit the church, and instill these new values. They call it uh, values clarification. And this was used on me as a child. I'm very familiar with this process. They started using it in the United States in the 1960s. Uh, let me give you a, just an example of how this works. So they, they tell the kids, and they're doing this all over Canada right now. They tell the kids, so you're on a, a ship, and the ship is sinking, and you jump off into the lifeboat, but there's only 10 spaces in the lifeboat, and 11 of you jumped into the ship. So they'll give the kids some details. You've got a, a lesbian, transgender woman of color who practices Islam. You've got a uh, Middle Eastern refugee, you know, whatever. Uh, you've got a nurse who who has a bi-gender queer identity. You've got a, a straight white Christian male who is obviously an oppressor. Um, who are you going to throw overboard and murder to uh, rescue the other 10. It's for the greater good, after all. I mean, you know, you can only survive if you get rid of one person. And so right away, the kids' minds start thinking, hmm, and mom and dad said murdering people wasn't good. Uh, pretty sure I heard the pastor quote some Ten Commandments or something about not murdering. But how dumb can they be? They must have never thought of this situation where here the only ethical option is to get rid of someone, to murder someone, right? And so the sensible thing to do would say, would be say, well, Let's solve this problem. We've got too many people on the raft. How are we going to deal with this? Now, a sensible idea would be, hey, we'll take turns swimming alongside the raft. And then when that person gets tired, you hop in and we, you know, we just take turns and then nobody has to be murdered. We'll wait to be rescued. But no, what it does is in one instant, the minds of these children are completely scrambled. Their pastors, their parents, the Ten Commandments are discredited. And they come to the conclusion, and they think they're very smart for having come to this conclusion, ethics and morality are relative. It just depends on the situation. So that is the tip of the iceberg of the indoctrination, Tanya. It's probably more than you wanted. But in every facet of life, right, it, it's completely the opposite of what God teaches. And it goes right along with what Christ taught. He's quoted in Luke and in Matthew saying, whoever's not with me is against me. Well, apply that to the institution of public school. Is it with Christ? We all know the answer. It's no. Then what is it? It is against Christ. And that should be very plainly apparent. They are instilling a worldview into your child. They pretend to be neutral. They're not neutral. They're instilling a worldview into the minds and the hearts and the souls of your children that is at odds with and in opposition to every element of what God teaches in the Bible. Yeah, and I'm going to add it's an evil, very evil uh, worldview, like, uh, you know, the very base, the core, the foundation of it. Uh, when you were talking about, uh, you know, the the uh, foundation of uh, Canada and the United States, and of course, they're on this campaign do, to demonize our forefathers. Um, here in Canada, of course, they're using uh, the, the schools of the indigenous people or the native Indians. And uh, in Kamloops, it's just recently been proven that all of those graves uh, uh, were empty. And uh, this is, again, just one part of the scenario to turn, uh, you know, children against 
our country, our forefathers, our sovereignty, and instead move them towards the WEF's agenda to say you'll have nothing and be happy, which is why they're using the the natives and uh, for land grabs and uh, to uh, victimize them, right, in order to advance this agenda. And now bringing this into the public school system where you can't graduate unless you have four credits to Indigenous learning. Well, to me, as a Christian, I don't, I wouldn't want, if my kids were in school anymore, I don't want them learning Indigenous learnings because that goes uh, against my faith. And if they're going to do that, well, then why not uh, give the alternative of four credits towards uh, Christian learning? Um, I spoke to an elected official today, and this goes to the uh, psychological warfare that our kids are under and that they are, this social justice is to create sensitive and empathetic uh, students is what they're say they're focused on. Never mind about reading and math and all the rest of it, because they're failing miserably at that. And we've been uh, in Ontario. We provided statistics on it very soon in BC. The statistics are going, coming out, and I was speak, speaking to a school board trustee who said it's going to be shocking for people to see uh, the decline in in children's learning. So this uh, elected official that I spoke to today about the sympa, uh, sensitive and empathetic. I thought, you know, that's a joke because are we seeing that this generation of kids that are coming out of the school system are more sympathetic, sensitive and empathetic or are they more vicious? They they are bullies. They attack anybody that doesn't align with the government propaganda that their little hearts and minds have been filled with. And just in closing on that thought, um, there's issues that are rising up to support this where the LGBTQ advocacy starts in kindergarten by uh, indoctrinating them and using the trusted positions of these active, uh, activist teachers to plant these seeds in children's minds and to create advocates within uh, the classroom. Like if your friend, would you, how, do, how would your friend feel if you don't support how they feel on the inside that's different than how they are on the outside. And then it goes towards interfering with parental rights, um, et cetera. But now these kids, as they get older, I'm being taught this advocacy, uh, you know, in this little mental mind game through their primary years, they then get into the gay straight alliance clubs. And then for these kids that have a very moral stand or so many, the majority of kids in schools are actually very uncomfortable with this. Now their friend is identifying as the opposite sex and has a new pronoun and a different name and now they're being chastised for not using that name and now I'm hearing that kids are being extorted that I will not uh, publicly humiliate you if you pay me $500 right and and this is a very real problem and I believe that this is why we are having drastic increases in mental health issues it's a war zone it's a war zone in in the schools and in the education system for our kids and this is just another reason why we're having this empower hour tonight is to encourage more parents to understand the details of this and why we're encouraging you find a way you can do more in 2 hours of teaching your kids than they can learn in 5 5 and a half hours at school absolutely and tanya there's several things there that i want to uh, touch on. You mentioned the um, indigenous education, same exact thing happening in the United States. Uh, just less than two years ago, uh, state of California, they have a state education board there. They voted unanimously to implement what they called ethnic studies model curriculum. 
This ethnic studies model, ethnic studies model curriculum required elementary school children to chant and sing to the demonic pagan Aztec deities of cannibalism and war and human sacrifice. So I, I grew up in Mexico City. Um, we would go to these pyramids regularly, and it was not a secret. They would sacrifice one weekend. They sacrificed eighty thousand people on these pyramids. They literally chopped their hearts out on the top of these pyramids and kicked the dead bodies down as a sacrifice to these demonic deities. Under this education curriculum, approved unanimously by the State Board of Education in California, every elementary school child in a public school was required to chant to these demonic entities. That is insane. That is absurd. That should be completely intolerable to anyone, especially a Christian. The only reason they stopped is because a federal court was about to force them to stop. You mentioned the so-called academics. Same exact situation in the United States. Every two years, the uh, the federal government, the U.S. Department of Education, which is totally unconstitutional, subject for another day, they do what they call the National Assessment of Educational Progress. They take uh, a representative sample of victims of government schools from across this country. They give them an academic test, and that tells the federal government where they are in math, in reading, in English, in history, etc., You probably won't be surprised to hear this, but American parents are shocked to hear this. Less than one third of the victims of the government schools are even considered proficient in math, English, reading. Now, just imagine this in any other context. Imagine a fast food restaurant where less than one third of the people who went in and ordered a burger actually got a burger. They would be raided by a SWAT team before the sun came up the next morning, and they'd all be hauled off to jail. And yet when the public schools cannot even educate one-third of our children to a proficient level in the absolute basic subjects, they say, oh, we need more money. And we say, oh, okay, here, have more money. Oh, we need more time with your children. Oh, here, have my children for another two hours a day. It's absolutely insane. You mentioned uh, the sensitivity and uh, what was the other word? Sensitive and... Empathetic, empathy. Empathetic. So we have a very similar thing that is now everywhere in the United States, not just in the public schools, also in the private schools. They call it social and emotional learning. Very, very interesting thing. Um, I wrote the first critical article on this uh, that had been written. Uh, I stumbled across it, and it took me all of 30 seconds to figure out that this was straight from the pit of hell, literally. Right? I went to the website of the organization that was promoting this. It's called the Collaborative Academic Social and Emotional Learning, castle.org. I clicked on their history tab. The very first thing you read on the history tab is the idea for social emotional learning was developed at the Fetzer Institute. I had never heard of the Fetzer Institute, so I looked it up. Turns out it's a new age occult center funded by a weird new age occult rich guy, a disciple of Alice Bailey, the founder of the Lucifer Publishing Company. So I was not surprised at all to learn that Bill Gates was funding this. I call him Bill Gates of Hell. Uh, And they tell you on their website that the goal of SEL is to give children the right values. Spend two seconds on this website and you'll see it's all about the racial, the environmental, the trans, the LGBT. It's indoctrination. It's psychological manipulation of these children. And one more thing I want to mention that just goes right along with what you're saying. The extraordinary number of children who are now identifying as LGBTQ plus whatever. uh, They've got a very, very diabolical trick they're using on these kids. And I guarantee you they're doing it in Canada as well. 
Um, uh, have you heard the term critical race theory, which is, of course, all the rage down here? CRT. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, it's basically a slightly revised version of Marxist class theory. And what they do is they teach the kids and they start this in kindergarten. Well, if your ancestors came from Europe, you have what's called white privilege. You are an oppressor, even if you don't realize it. And the first step is to admit your guilt. You can stand up in front of the class and apologize for your white privilege because you are automatically an oppressor because you don't have enough melanin in your skin because your ancestors did all these allegedly terrible things. Okay. So they get all these little kids in the classroom and they start telling the little kids this. And the, the little kids whose ancestors came from Europe say, Oh, I don't want to be an oppressor. I, I, I like my fellow students. You know, I, I don't want to be mean to them. And they say, Oh, you know who else is also a victim is homosexuals and transgender people who identify as that, right? I, I would never sub- concede the argument that that's who they are. That is something they do. But if you are, if you identify with the L or the G or the T or the B or the plus or the P or the Q, whatever, then you also get to be a victim. And so then suddenly your, your skin color doesn't make you an oppressor. And so especially little girls are vulnerable to this. You know, they, they don't want to be the oppressor. Who wants to be the oppressor? They, okay. Well, I'll, I'll be a T or I'll be a G or, you know, a B or whatever, uh, just so that they can then move into the oppressed category. So this is a vicious form of manipulation to these children. It's monstrous to do this to little kids. And yet it is happening in classrooms all across uh, North America and all over the Western world. Yeah, and and it it is. It's just so shocking, right? Because I've uh, many times I've spoken about my mom and dad who came from Europe. My my dad was from England and my mom from the Netherlands. It's, you know, for those of you who know me, you know this story. But for those of you who are new, it's significant. My dad had a grade six education when he came here. Uh, My mom's house was bombed. Uh, You know, she came here with only my grandmother and four of her older brothers. And uh, they were already learning English before they came. And they were very respectful they would not speak Dutch uh, when they were out in public. And I'd always ask my mom, you know, why did you do that? And she said, out of respect, we were so grateful to be here in Canada and we wanted to uh, assimilate and integrate. It's not that they, uh, you know, threw away all of their traditional values. Uh, you know, we have some wonderful, you know, n- n- uh, meals from the Netherlands and, you know, things like that. But they totally immersed us in Canadian culture, as did my dad, who ended up getting a great 12 equivalency and then became an electrician and eventually a contractor put himself through school but let me tell you there was no white privilege in my family they worked extremely hard and they extended those values on my brother and sister and I and so I get very offended when I'm hearing this and that these immigrants are flooding uh, this country on the backs of the hard-working white Canadian Europeans and taking advantage of our welfare system and all of the dole outs that the government is giving them to buy votes. And my mom and dad received absolutely zero from the government. They came here and they made it work. My mom worked in a burlap uh, sack company. And, uh, you know, I mean, that was hard laborious work and, uh, you know, other jobs like that. And, and so I just always want to really blast this out that there is no such thing as this white privilege. They're doing that because they wanted to destroy destroy the sovereignty of this nation. And to add, you know, as Christians all over the world, our God doesn't, the godly Christian, you know, one and only true God is what I'm going to stand on, does not know the color of your skin. And yeah. if we look at any other um, religions that are flooding into our country, I mean, they're causing a lot of uh, destruction 
here and in the United States. And what transpired in Calgary recently, I was going to show that on my weekly update, was um, a video of 150 uh, individuals that have uh, come into Canada from Africa, from, what is it, uh, uh, Eritrea, Africa, and they came out with bats and bars and uh, two-by-fours and waging war in our country. And then I ended up seeing that in Israel, they had the exact same thing happening with the same Africans coming out with the same uh, weapons. And the only difference is, is that Netanyahu is deporting every single one of them as quickly as possible. And Trudeau is allowing this invasion and then uh, calling us, uh, you know, uh, uh, racist because we rightfully want to protect the sovereignty of this nation and protect the people. And that's what our government should be doing. And they're neglecting that. And uh, actually, I would say committing treason you know, against uh, the citizens of our nation. Anyways, back to yeah. our schools, but that's what they're being, our kids are well, being taught Well, let me just touch on this because th- this is what's happening in the schools, Tanya. Um, yeah, and the people who come up with this nonsense, they don't believe the, the white privilege stuff any more than you or I do, right? They know that's silly. Back in the 1960s, the students for a democratic society in this country used to say, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. They don't believe in racial justice. I mean, they, actually, if you look at the whistleblowers from the Communist Party in the United States going back many generations... They've all said the leadership of the communists were the most racist people you could ever possibly imagine. So it's not about racial justice. It's not for them. You need to understand this in the context of what Chairman Mao did to children when he took power. He divided China up into two classes. There were the black classes and the red classes. The black classes were the oppressors. These were the landowners. These were the business people. These were the people who had a a property, who owned a farm, whatever the case may be. Then the red classes, they were the oppressed class. And so these were the landless peasants, the workers, the revolutionary soldiers, whatever. And so they would actually force the kids in the classroom of the black classes to stand up in front of the class and confess their privilege exactly the same as they're doing in schools all across the United States. The kids have to go up and confess their Christian privilege, their white privilege, their heteronormative, whatever it is. This is a revolutionary tactic to have their revolution, to overthrow the old system and bring in the new. They must divide society against itself. They must fracture it. And Jesus explained this very clearly. A kingdom divided against itself will not stand. In another verse, he says, it will be laid waste. It will be brought to desolation is how some translations uh, 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 render that. That's what they're doing here. They want Canada divided. They want the United States divided. They want us thinking that our neighbor is the enemy, the guy that voted for Joe Biden, the guy with a slightly different skin shade, the guy whose ancestors came from some other place. They're the enemy. They're the ones oppressed. No, right? This is a Marxist tactic. It has nothing to do with racial justice. People need to stop falling for these traps. This is a, and and they're doing it to the children. That's where it's really effective. I mean, adults know that this is silly. I I mean, you and I both know we're not oppressing anyone. I, I know that my grandpa came over on a boat when he was 15 years old with the clothes on his back did not oppress anyone right it's ridiculous we all know that but a kindergarten kid doesn't know that mom and dad said to listen to the teacher and so they're they're also as as you point out they're importing enormous numbers of people right we we live before coming back to the united states most recently i lived in sweden they've imported a million people mostly from africa and the middle east what sane society would import a million people from a hostile foreign country and then teach the children of those people they imported that this society is evil and racist and oppressive and that it needs to be dismantled 
only treasonous people who want to destroy you and your country. Nothing to do with racial justice. The only reason they applied race to the United States and Canada was because the class model wouldn't work here, right? Trying to tell a factory worker in America in 1950s who was working at Ford and earning a very nice salary and paying his mortgage, his wife was staying home and taking care of the kids, putting kids through college, telling him that he was oppressed by his employer would have sounded totally ridiculous. So they needed a new fault line that they could exploit. And that's what this is about. It's about fomenting division, discontent, and ultimately revolution so they can burn down the old order. And as they've been saying, including your prime minister, very loudly, build back better or build back totalitarian globalist madness. Well, and and that's exactly it. And they're exploiting, you know, the innocence of our kids and the trusting nature of them. Like you say, good parents are teaching their children to uh, respect their uh, the adults in their life. Uh, but it's gone beyond that. And I'm actually glad that we're talking about this issue of critical race theory. Uh, we'll talk a bit about DEI as well for people who aren't uh, familiar and pull that in. But the reason, of course, that there, there's multiple reasons why they're bringing in this mass immigration from uh, countries that uh, these people will never align with our culture. They come from not all cultures. And we got to say it out loud. Not all cultures are equal. And, and, and that is quite evident when you look at India right now and you look at the 56 Islamic majority countries, China, Pakistan, North Korea, they're either living by communism or uh, uh, um, Islam, Islamism and uh, Hinduism, etc. And the reports on the front line that our mainstream media aren't telling us is right now 300 churches have been burned in India. And that is because the president of the uh, country is reportedly wanting to ethnically clean it and just have Hinduism. And of course, in the 56 Islamic majority countries, you won't find, you know, a white Christian sitting in elected position there. But yet we're supposed to give up all of our uh, sovereignty, regardless of the color of your skin. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian, whether you're, you know, uh, uh, whatever your background is, Chinese or Pakistani, many people have converted to Christianity. But shouldn't we have the equal right to protect our sovereignty, to ensure that people are in elected positions that support the sovereignty of this nation and what our founding fathers gifted us with? That's not racist to say this out loud. And so there's some very dangerous things going on in our countries based on this uh, critical race theory, based on this this move to uh, victimize certain sectors and minority groups of society, which which is also elevating them. So one is the, uh, you know, indigenous or the native Indians victimizing them so they can uh, initiate this land grab when we know that Justin Trudeau doesn't care about Indians in Canada. He never has. And and nothing is to their benefit. They're they're being used. And then we've got, uh, you know, the Hindus and the Muslims. And right now we have this uh, uh this million march. And uh, I'm going to say it that Action for Canada has chosen not to uh, participate and certainly not because we don't support our kids and what's going on in the schools. But for many months, we had already been planning what our back to school campaigns would be. And that would be to hand these flyers into the hands of every single parent possible and get teams outside of schools. I mean, this is phenomenal. Uh, This is a campaign that will work in planting a seed in parents' heads who have no idea what's going on inside. Uh, 
the person who initiated this happens to be a Muslim. Good on him. He doesn't like what's going on in the schools. But they're coming out saying that as if the Muslims are heading this up. And the problem with that scenario is, is that it's actually been Christians who have been fighting this, like Barry Neufeld who has been dragged through the courts, had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, lost his position as a school board trustee. He is, you know, uh, happens to be a white Christian. We we have um, some other individuals, the Chinese community that I work with here, who have been working very hard on the front lines to address what's happening in our schools for the last seven and a half years or eight years. So right now I have to say to the Muslims and the Gays Against Groomers, welcome aboard. But you know what? Where have you been in the last eight years joining us Christians who have been on the front line laying the foundation and literally taking back the ground that the enemy had stolen? And, you know, when we look at Action for Canada nationwide, we have a very, very large email list and we have been activated for many years to get to where we are now, serving the notice of liability, interacting with government officials. And and so if we elevate some of these individuals, that means that others are going to trust our leadership and think these are good people to get into elected as elected officials. But that's counterproductive to us raising this country up as a Christian nation and being able to fight for those values and principles. Will they do that with their whole heart? And, and so our team, you know, had a hard decision to make, but this is, this is the decision we've made. And I think it's the right one. We value all the work that everybody is doing, but that doesn't mean that we will always align with it because there are repercussions and consequences for those decisions that unfortunately many Christians are not thinking about. And and so we've got to be careful with this and how we are uh, working to protect our kids for the longevity and the greater good of Canada. Yeah, I, I love what you said right there, Tanya. And I, I think people need to understand the real goal of all of this is the de-Christianization of our societies. Um, it's happening in the United States. It's happening in Canada. It's happening all over what used to be known as Christendom. Uh, on, on India, one of the best books I ever read was by a, a Indian man, grew up as a Hindu, uh, Vishal Mengalwadi. It's called The Book That Made Your World. And what he explains is that Christianity is the only faith that results in the kind of wonderful fruit that we have seen. He, he describes his upbringing in India, where, you know, it was not unusual to see somebody put a baby outside their house to die because the baby was a financial burden. They figured, hey, it had bad karma anyways. It probably did something bad in the last life. No reason to save that baby. No reason to rescue that baby. He said there were not schools. There were not orphanages. There were not hospitals until Christian missionaries arrived there. And this is true all over the world. In fact, this was true in Europe. You know, I, I having lived many years in Scandinavia now, I use that often as an example. Prior to the arrival of the gospel, prior to the arrival of Christianity and the light of the Bible to Scandinavia, these savages were running around eating each other, sacrificing their children to demon gods and raping and pillaging anybody they could find to steal all their stuff. When the Bible arrived, what happened? They settled down, they became peace-loving, and they created a wonderful, beautiful society that is now being demolished from the inside by people who want to destroy it. And so what's happening to our children in school, we need to understand this is the prime. I mean, there's a, a lot of other agendas, but the primary agenda is to turn them away from the God of the Bible and from the truths of the scripture. The reason for the mass migration, same exact thing. And you see it so clearly in Sweden, but you see it clearly in Canada and the United States as well. Um, and, and the ironic thing is 
you can debunk every element of their narrative, right? So the U.S. government and its allies went and blew up a bunch of Islamic countries, bombed them to smithereens, ruined their infrastructure, Libya, Syria, Iraq, I mean, you name it, U.S. government, NATO, these uh, evil Western governments totally destroyed these countries. Then they said, oh, wow, that's a shame. Your country really sucks. But you could come to Europe. We'll, we'll send a plane down to get you. We'll give your kids free school. You get a free apartment, free food. Of course, the people are going to come, right? They're being used as pawns, just like so many people in our country. And again, first, they acted like it was humanitarian. Nothing humanitarian about destroying somebody's country. There's nothing humanitarian about burning down my neighbor's house and then inviting him to live in yours at your expense. That's criminal. That's called arson. That's not humanitarian. And even if it was humanitarian, you could have supported 50 refugees in Jordan or Saudi Arabia or Lebanon rather than flying them to Scandinavia or to Germany or to the United States or Canada. There's nothing humanitarian about spending 50 times more money to bring one migrant to Canada than just keeping them there so they could go back and rebuild their home country when the war finishes. Then they said, oh, well, we also need more workers because uh, Europeans didn't have enough babies. Swedes didn't have enough babies. So now we need to bring in more workers. Baloney, right? A good friend of mine uh, from Iran with a PhD in public policy did a study. He found there is no point in the future. You know, it's not like 15, 20, 50 years from now, we'll say they're going to become net contributors to the treasury. They're going to be a net drain on the public treasury as long as projections can go. So this is not about supporting the tax base so you can take care of the old people in Canada. You all are just uh, killing them, I guess. Anyway, no need for that. So they're lying to us at every step of the way. The goal is to de-Christianize our society, wage war on the church and on Christians. It just takes various different manifestations. And the public school system is the primary weapon. And if we had more time, Tanya, I'd go through the history of the people who created public schools. This has been a huge issue for me. I'm working on a book about it right now. A lot of people don't recognize that public schools are a new innovation. Public schools did not exist in the United States or anywhere else in the world, even just a few hundred years ago. Throughout 2,000 years of church history, education was primarily the responsibility of the parents. Protestant Reformation came along. Martin Luther said, hey, the church ought to play a supplemental role here in equipping the saints. Okay, church got a little bit involved. Government was not a factor in education until very recently. Now, I have tracked the trajectory of public education in this country. It begins with a socialist who rejected Christianity named Robert Owen. He he was such a true believer in this madness that he set up a communist commune in our state of Indiana called New Harmony. Obviously, it failed because they didn't respect property. They didn't respect family. Collapse. He came to the conclusion that the reason it didn't work is because these children were educated by parents and churches in a Christian society. So his solution to that was the government should start educating our children. He actually created a society for this purpose. We know because uh, one of the members of this secret society defected, became a whistleblower. His name is Orestes Brownson. He became a Catholic and he blew the whistle on this diabolical plan. And he, he revealed, he said the main object of this agenda was to get rid of Christianity. That was the guy who came up with the idea. He wrote these essays. They were picked up by the ambassador to Prussia. The Prussian ambassador took him back to the dictator of Prussia, who had just lost a war with Napoleon, said, ooh, this might come in handy. He, uh, According to Robert Owen in his autobiography, the Prussian dictator so much approved of these ideas that he ordered his interior minister to set up a public school system. The first ever example of education I can find since ancient Greece of the state, by the state, and for the state created a bunch of little brainwashed zombies that would do whatever the government said. And we saw what happened, you know, within a century, they're goose stepping around, putting their neighbors in camps that didn't end well. So that idea then gets reimported to the United States through a guy called Horace Mann, another individual who rejected the Bible, rejected Christianity. In fact, one of his big ideas was to get the Bible out of the schools. 
which, you know, at that time, that was totally preposterous. That was the main textbook that was used in any school that existed in North America. So that was kind of laughed out of the room. But he set up this government school system based on Robert Owen's ideas in Massachusetts. When he was done messing up Massachusetts, he traveled the United States preaching the good news of salvation by government schools in legislatures across the country. And like dominoes, they start, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll have some public funding of school. We'll set up some government schools. We'll set up government training programs for teachers. By about the 19 or early 1900s, this system had proliferated across the United States. It was picked up by John Dewey, an actual communist, a guy who loved the Soviet Union. To give you some perspective on where he was coming from, he was the founder, one of the co-founders of what's called the Humanist Manifesto. This was the founding document of the humanist religious movement. You can summarize it in the first plank of their manifesto. It says, we believe the universe is self-existing and not created. That was John Dewey's religion. He's called the founding father of our public school system in America. Well, that's also the religion that Satan preached in the garden in Genesis chapter three, right? You can be your own little God. I can be my own little God because there is no real God. We'll decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. That was John Dewey's religion. That is the religion that has now been taught to several generations of our children in these public schools. And that is why we're seeing the fruit that we're seeing, the children killing themselves. The children don't know what bathroom to go into. The children coming to school with a gun and shooting their fellow classmates or stabbing their classmates. This stuff didn't used to happen before this false religion overtook our education system. Yeah, that's a huge amount of it, uh, good information there, uh, um, Alex, and I'm glad that you brought that up. We're going to be very anxious to uh, read your book when that comes out. We'll have to have you back on the show. Let me know because uh, we'll definitely want to promote that. I think that the uh, history is important. I remember that there was still prayer in school when I was a child, uh, but it was only um, like a matter of a year or two before they had removed it. And um, I had Kirk Cameron on the show last week, and he did that movie, uh, The Doctor documentary Monumental. And it was on the history of America as well being founded on uh, Christian principles, which is what I've been uh, really speaking about in Canada. And that 100%, this is a spiritual war over good and evil, uh, you know, against, I think, a demonic realm and and a godly realm. And the reason that this is so important. And one of the letters that's going to be going out to the Ontario Premier includes a portion of their actual school act that uh, verifies that the education is built on biblical principles and that this needs to be honored and respected. And of course, the NDP are trying to get that removed from the act. But even if they do, then what are they going to do about, you know, the Charter of Rights that says, and whereas, you know, that it's it's uh, founded on on God and that also our coronation oath, which was again sworn by the monarch stating that we are to be governed by uh, the gospel, by the word of God. And that means that um, every single law and legislation passed, if it does not align according to uh, Constitution Section 52.1, if it doesn't align with godly principles and and, uh, the Constitution is the supreme law of Canada, then it's of no force or effect. So we have all of this at our disposal, but we need to get people into office that uh, embrace this and understand it. And and you said something very significant uh, a moment ago when you were talking about how the U.S. went into Islamic nations and they've warred on them and caused destruction. And the one thing that we have to remember is that those are not godly leaders in the U.S. any any longer. That's right. These these are communists, right, attacking yep. another country. 
And because people will want to say, oh, Canadians, Canada is a Christian nation and America is, it is, our foundation is, but until we get godly leaders back in, that's not going to be represented in the decisions that they make. And, and that's why it's very important for us, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, uh, questioning, whatever, we can use some of those terms. Uh, this is indeed, these are Christian nations and, and yep. they are what give you the freedom to not believe. You, you don't get this in communist China or in North Korea. You, you can't live a life like you have been accustomed to in, in Canada and America. And even all the trans and LGBTQ and those who are listening to my message. Uh, you know, we've got, a, I've got a couple of fans that like to show up on, on the show and, and are recording my every word. I mean, to the LGBT community, go and think of living in one of the 56 Islamic majority countries. Uh, it's not going to bode well for you at all. And why are the Muslims coming to Canada and the Khalistani Sikhs and trying to bring their failed foreign policies into Canada to uh, destroy our nation? So we, we are going to be standing up very firmly to say no more of this. And we need people who are going to get into office to support this before we're so overrun with uh, immigrants who are so grateful to Biden and to Trudeau that they will in continuing keep them in office and buying their votes. So we've got some really serious work uh, before us. Um, Wow. Okay. This has just been just, just such an amazing, uh, conversation. I'm just taking a look at some of my notes here, uh, as well. So on your public school exit, uh, uh, if we're to, to look at this and we see that one of the other ways that the governments are attacking, I don't know, in some states, you're in still pretty good position there, but in Canada, we have so many immigrants coming in that our housing has skyrocketed. Uh, the Chinese are coming in and, and buying so many of our properties and our kids can't afford homes anymore, uh, never mind having children. And so we're trying to appeal to grandparents, you know, to uh, remove their RSPs or do whatever they can to ensure that our kids can have more children and to ensure that they can afford to homeschool. And so is there anything that you can add to that, Alex? Yeah, I would say no matter what the cost, you need to do it. You know, when I hear people tell me, oh, I don't know if we can afford to homeschool. I don't know if we can afford to get our children a Christian education. Look, you can't afford not to. Okay. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. I, I homeschool my five children with my wife. I know it's a sacrifice. I don't earn a lot of money. We know that it's tough, but there is nothing more worthwhile that you could do for your family, for your children, for your church, for your community, and for your country than make sure that your children are getting a good education. And that is not possible possible anymore. I'll be very clear. That is not possible anymore in the public school system. It is not possible. So uh, whatever it costs you, grandparents are a great source. Um, I think churches should be coming together to help here. I would urge people to be very uh, careful, very weary of government assistance, because government assistance very often, if even if it doesn't yet, it will come with handcuffs later. It will come with control over what you're doing. I watched it happen in Sweden. So find a way to do it, folks. And I'll tell you what, um, the Bible speaks so clearly about these issues. And if God tells you to do it, God will make a way for you to do it. The scriptures are just filled with insight on this. I can give a couple of the, the scriptures, but what you'll find is there is no example anywhere in scripture of parents handing their children over to government for education or for discipleship. In every case that education is mentioned, that discipleship is mentioned, it's always in the purview of the parents. 
If you go to Deuteronomy in chapter six and chapter 11, parents are told to teach their children about God and his laws. When you wake up in the morning, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down to eat, when you're laying down to go to bed, at all times, you should be doing this. And so where there's a will, there's a way. If God calls on you to homeschool your children and he does, then you can find a way to do it. Yes, there will be a sacrifice. If grandparents can step in and help, that's great. If it means, I mean, I, I tell people, I would live in a cardboard box before I would send my children to a public school. And that's no exaggeration at all. Find a way to do it. If you have to drive an old clunky car and live in a little house, that's okay. There is nothing more important as far as your children go than getting them a decent education. And I'll, I'll add this caveat, you know, homeschooling is not going to save your children. Jesus Christ saves your children, but we need to be faithful to what he has commanded us to do. And that is to bring up our children in the fear, the discipline, the admonition of the Lord, to teach them the way that they should go so that when they were, are old, they will not depart from it. That's our job. God will handle his part. We need to handle our part. Yeah, that's excellent. And, you know, I'm, I was uh, in the meeting today. One of the things came up is that uh, once upon a time, when we were in the grocery store and those nasty magazines used to be on the lower shelf, we were, you know, turning our children's heads from it. Um, if there was something inappropriate or uh, movies, you know, R-rated movies, etc., we were protecting our children from this. And if parents only understood what their kids, the, the depth of uh, sexual depravity that their kids are being exposed to in the school, the critical race theory, the climate change propaganda, the amount of stress that they're going through. I mean, here we were bending over backwards, you know, to protect them until, you know, at an appropriate age, you know, into young adulthood, that they could be introduced slowly to more of what uh, the world is and yet be strong enough to not fall into it or be immersed uh, in it. And, um, you know, to be addicted to and to to have addictions to any of these things, it, it's through through those formative years that we uh, form strong characters, right, and give them the tools that they need to fight against this. And I know that my my parents did a really good job of that, and I've done my best to, uh, you know, do that with my children as well. And uh, they're on board 100% with me. They're 28 and nearly nearly 28 and 30 years old, and I'm just so proud of them and their position on these issues. But we're failing our kids right now because we're not able when you drop your child off at school and you give them the, you know their lunch or as a teenager and say have a nice nice day because of the indoctrination and you don't know if you have an active uh, activist teacher that's using their trusted position to advance their agenda you don't know what child you're going to have coming home you don't know in that hour or whatever that they were in that classroom what they've done to damage everything that you've instilled in your child and is that worth the risk and and we've been um, so accustomed uh, to being a wealthy nation and being able to think about holidays and buying a boat or, you know, having those extras. And that's what you're saying right now, Alex, is that you gave up everything. You have five, five children, five children. Yep. And, you know, so you have made those uh, sacrifices. But what what uh, rewards and what joy come in the midst of it? And and so that needs to be honored. And I, I commend you for that. Well, thank you. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, it is so wonderful to to just be with the family. And we learn together and we're we're always homeschooling. We're always learning where we worship together. And um, it's just it's such a joy. No family is perfect. But I'll tell you what, we have a, a wonderful time. And we know a lot of homeschool families that do the same. 
And uh, the the difference in these children, it's just, it's like the difference between night and day. It's obvious right away. And so folks, um, if you need more encouragement, you can go to publicschoolexit.com. We've got a list of why you need to get out, list of ways to get out, list of resources. We will connect you with any of our experts. Our, our advisory board would blow people away. Actually, the um, superintendent of public schools in Arizona, uh, my friend Diane Douglas, she came to one of my talks while she was still superintendent of public schools there. She oversaw all the public schools in the state of Arizona. Uh, and, and she realized these cannot be saved. And so she is no longer doing that. She's now on board with us. She's on our advisory board. She, she will come and, and speak to you guys. She will come on your call. She'll come to your church. We'll connect you with anybody you need to, to make the case to your church, to your family, whatever it is. It's all free. We're not making money. We're not asking anybody for money. Um, we just, we pray that you will take this to heart. Parents, your children are worth it. God commands it. We cannot continue to sacrifice our children to this horrific system, or we're going to lose everything we value, including our children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Alex, and, uh, just so happy that you could talk more about public school. I said, actually, I, there's a good question I want to ask you. Will you please let our viewers know? Since 2019, how many children have exited and are exiting the public school system? Oh, it, in it's America? so encouraging to see this, Tanya. It's so encouraging. So the uh, the U.S. There, there's no perfect data on this. A lot of states don't track homeschoolers. A lot of states don't require any reporting or anything. So in a lot of states, we have no clue, but we can guesstimate based on the things we know. But the U.S. Census Bureau did a survey um, about a year and a half into COVID. And what they found was that the number of homeschooling families in America had more than doubled. Okay. And this was real homeschooling. They actually controlled for it. You know, you're not doing government school at home with a laptop, right? You're genuine homeschooling where the parents are leading it. Yes, the number had more than doubled from about 6% to about 12% of families with school-aged children. Now, some of those have gone back into the system. We don't know exactly how many, but we estimate uh, the National Home Education Research Institute has probably some of the best data on this. Uh, we estimate that millions of children have left the system over the last few years. We expect that millions of additional children will be leaving the system in the near future here. So we are incredibly encouraged. The growth is parabolic. And uh, as word gets out about what they're doing, uh, more and more families are doing the right thing and they're deciding to exit. So very, very encouraging. Uh, the latest numbers I saw about the number of kids in government indoctrination centers, depending on what state, we're somewhere around 74 or 75% of children. That's 74 or 75% too many, but we're making a lot of progress. Uh, this horrific system was not built in a night. It's not going to be taken down in a night. Uh, it's got a trillion dollars a year of our tax money to wage war on us. That's a Goliath if I ever heard one, but with faith and with God, we're going to do what we can to rescue our children and encourage others to do it. And we're seeing phenomenal success and we thank the Lord for all of it. Yeah, I thank you. And, you know, you're, you're bringing up uh, the Goliath and, you know, David only had a few stones and, and that's all it took. He didn't need trillions of dollars, uh, you know, to fight this beast. And uh, that's why I would just want to encourage citizens, you have the power to collapse the education system in Canada and America. And uh, every single one of those little bums in seats is worth like maybe $14,000 that a principal doesn't get paid if your child doesn't show up. If you have three children, if you have five children, and you remove them from your local school district, that means that the education system is losing money. And that is one of the reasons why so many provincial leaders are beginning to speak about parental rights. And that's why I say you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. We still need to replace them. 
We still re remember what each and every single one of them did through the COVID lockdowns, uh, destroying people's livelihoods and uh, promoting this deadly injection. We're not going to forget that. But if they're going to stand up right now and uh, support parental rights and start defending our kids, well, good on them. But they still need to be replaced. And so I just want to encourage you from that uh, perspective that those children's uh, little heads in seats are, are, are money and cash in the bank for the government. And so that's one other reason uh, that by you taking your children out, you can help this movement and to stop this sooner rather than later. And that's why the LGBTQ are going out of their mind. Uh, there's one in uh, a group in uh, advocacy group in Manitoba right now that uh, had quite a lot to say about Action for Canada. And there's other uh, groups and these people are getting, they make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and a lot of that is funded by uh, Canadian tax dollars. Uh, millions of our tax dollars are funding these NGO LGBTQ groups. And so if you're not happy with that, you need to start telling your elected official that uh, we don't care to pay for uh, these political groups to be able to come into our schools and uh, push their political agenda on our children. And uh, so, all right, well, uh, Alex, in closing, is there anything further that you would like to uh, add? Uh, just, you know, again, uh, I, I encourage folks to pray about this. Uh, it is, I believe, one of the most important issues facing our country and our churches. Um, I, I did a, a book in uh, 2015. I co-wrote it with Dr. Sam Blumenfeld, who spent 60 years of his life on this. It's called Crimes of the Educators. Oh, you have a copy right there, right? How Utopians are using government schools to destroy America's children. It's got a lot in there about how they turned our nation into um, illiterate uh, how they uh, basically dumbed down uh, not just the United States, but also Canada and many other places. Um, uh, publicschoolexit.com is a, a free resource to anybody. Lots of good information there. Um, my personal website, libertysentinel.org, if people want to get up to date on different issues, not just education, but uh, different issues that I'm covering. And, um, you know, you had uh, Kirk Cameron on uh, last week. I, I don't know if you guys talked about it, but he just released a wonderful documentary on homeschooling. Uh, very honored to be featured in there. It was a wonderful, wonderful film. Uh, there's been four or five uh, wonderful education documentaries that have come out here in the United States. I don't know if you guys get Fox up there, but even I, I don't endorse Fox, but they did a great docuseries on education that uh, featured just wonderful information. It's just as applicable to Canada as the United States. So I, I would encourage people, um, you know, even though we're fighting all these battles, focus at least some of your attention on this, because if they get our children, we're going to lose on every other front. So pray, get involved, protect your children, and then warn everybody else. And thanks again for having me, Tanya. What an honor. And I so appreciate all that you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I had the book sitting right here, and I'm so glad you remembered to bring it up because I wanted to endorse that and encourage people to uh, purchase this book. Again, if you've joined Action for Canada, you get our weekly emails, and we always do a special bio page on our guests to provide as much information as possible. Uh, there's uh, under chats, under our Empower Hour, you can also find links and information to connect you with Alex's information, and we will have it in the description section um, of this Empower Hour when we launch it. And uh, so, yes, we last week we did have uh, Kirk talk about his uh, new documentary as well. We were really thrilled. He was so excited to hear about Action for Canada and what we're doing. He said that he wants to be in touch and work with me, so we'll see how that goes. Um, um, yeah, so just excited about this, excited about our, our dear neighbors uh, to the south 
and that we're in this battle together and that uh, we are taking back land that the enemy has stolen. And we're going to continue to do uh, that until this battle is completely and utterly won. Um, Alex, would you do us the honor of closing in prayer with us? I would be honored to. And I, I, I just love so much what you're saying, Tanya. God bless you. And thank you for all that you're doing. Um, let's bow uh, our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just beyond grateful that we can pray and that you hear us. We're thankful that we still have the freedoms to meet and to discuss. Father, our heart breaks for the horrific things that the enemy and his minions are doing to our children. Please give us the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the discernment, and the humility to take sensible actions to protect those children. Ultimately, they're not our children. They're your children, Father. Uh, and we just ask that you give us all the tools that we need to do what you have called us to do. I thank you for Action for Canada. I pray that you would continue to use them, bless them, guide them, give them every resource that they need for this battle. Father, most of all, give them courage and wisdom as they battle the forces of hell, whether those are manifested in the educational or the political or the economic realm. Father, we know that ultimately this is not a battle against flesh and blood. This is a battle against principalities and powers spiritual wickedness and darkness in high places. And Father, we just pray that you would cover us, protect us, guide our every step, help us to honor you in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, and in everything that we do, help us to do it in love for your sake. And we pray these things in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King, the King of all kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, my friend. Uh, we will look forward to having you on the show again. God bless. Thank you. God bless you all. Wow. I just love Alex Newman, how what a dear friend he is. And as I said at the onset, he is working hard in the United States, sacrificially with others to do the same thing that we're doing here in Canada, uh, to, to protect and defend the hearts and minds of our children. They are our future leaders. Um, you know, if we don't do this, then our country is lost. There are, they are marching out little Marxist soldiers, you know, uh, to run this nation. And so, so we're, we're getting out there and getting in front of them at the pass and we're putting a stop to this. Uh, we need to protect and defend our children and we all need to be sacrificial about that. And if you're thinking about ways that you can assist, you've seen our map, you've seen what Action for Canada is doing. Uh, like I say, there's so many things that I wish I could share that we're doing in the background. Uh, this is a lot of strategy. Uh, there are things that, um, uh, you know, involve uh, money and spending and funding. And so if you could join Action for Canada by becoming a monthly donor, if you could do $10 a month, you have no idea if all of our members uh, decided to do that of all the incredible things that we could do. Um, our team is working so hard day and night. They volunteer the majority of their time. All of our chapter leaders across the nation are giving, volunteering their time and giving sacrificially as are our provincial leaders. So please consider partnering with Action for Canada. All right, next week's guest is going to be uh, Mike Beckwith. We have um, been talking about the 15-minute cities and the fires and um, all the ways that the globalists are trying to bring us into uh, climate lockdown, all of the nefarious ways that they're going about that. And of course, through geoengineering and weather modification, uh, this is one of the tools. Uh, it's, a, like I said, a very evil, very nefarious uh, attack against all of humanity. And uh, Mike Beckwith talks about water, uh, weather modification, and he has an incredible presentation that he will be giving. So I encourage you to join us next week. All right, the Bible verse. 
two today. And uh, so the first one is from Proverbs 2011. Even children are known by their behavior. Their actions show if they are innocent, pure, good, and upright. And therefore, the next verse, the Bible instructs us in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, you know what, as parents, and even, you know, as, as a community around you, uh, Action for Canada takes this very seriously. And that's why we're investing in our youth. We're fighting, you know, for our children and we're fighting for a society. We'll help our kids maintain their innocence because it can be gone so quickly. And so we just encourage you to join us in this battle. We need all hands on deck and, uh, then you can be so encouraged when you see these winds that you were a part of this, we are history in the making. Isn't that something to be a part of? So please join us. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful uh, rest of the week and a weekend. And I'm going to see you next back here next Wednesday. God bless you and God bless Canada. Right. <laughs>